welcome to Movecast, uh, Move Imperial's uh, webinar series. Um, so each week and what we're trying to do with this series is go through um, different health and fitness topics um, each week um, and kind of break down some myths um, and also look at some of the things that, you know, some of the questions that we get quite a lot in the gym, uh, we can answer on here. So today we're just going to have uh, quite a brief one, but we're going to speak about uh, how you put together a good nutrition plan. Uh, so a lot of the time we get asked in the gym, you know, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, things like that. And where I, we kind of feel like the more important bit is actually having a whole entire structure of, of kind of what you eat and how to put that together rather than alienating certain foods or, you know, saying this is good and this is bad. Uh, so what we're going to do, I've got two guests today. Um, so I have Carl Bennett. So Carl is the lead uh, S&C coach here at Move Imperial. Um, so he works with all the, the uh, scholarship athletes. Uh, so hello, Kyle. Hi, pleased to be on. Okay, um, and then we have Ben Britton. So Ben is the Active Lifestyles advisor. Uh, so Ben works with, <laughs> with loads of students and staff uh, and runs kind of the um, wellbeing projects we have. So uh, hello, Ben, how are you? Hello, Gary. Thanks for your lovely introduction, mate. I'm very well. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, and then myself, I'm, I'm Gary. So I'm the gym supervisor. So I look after the day-to-day run-ins of the gym um, and do a lot of these wellbeing projects. Um, so we're just going to get straight into it. Um, so it's quite informal when we're going to do these. We're just going to really have a chat. Um, hopefully you guys can pick up some pointers along the way. Um, so let's go straight into it. So Ben, what, what do you think are the, the key important things when you're trying to put together a, a nutrition plan? What, what kind of things do you feel that we should look at first? So I think, first of all, you need to kind of consider what you're we actually aiming to achieve with your nutrition. So whether it's, I mean, body composition um, adjustments, whether it's just to become a little bit healthier, whether it's to become to improve your sports performance, things like that. And then you move on to that next stage of what variables and things you can, can control. So what's your current lifestyle like? At the moment, loads of people during COVID are working from home or are you still going into the office at the moment? Um, and just various things around your lifestyle. How active are you? What can, how many sessions can you do at the moment? You know, things like um, in terms of your gym, how much access do you have? Do you have just one booking slot? Do you have unlimited time? things like that. So it's trying to look at the whole picture rather than just focusing on one or two aspects. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's quite interesting. That, that's something um, I, I kind of believe a lot when I, when I train people, um, I, I kind of get them to look at what their output is first, rather than I think so many people get caught up into like what they're putting into their bodies. Of course they need to, uh, but I really think that you should tailor your nutrition plan or, or your nutrition into what you're actually doing day to day. So what you said there is, yeah, it's very true. I do actually believe that a lot. Um, Carl, slightly different so from a from a sporting perspective what kind of things do you feel uh, young athletes uh, should look at when they're putting together a plan um i think it's like quite similar to what ben said as that whole overall approach in terms of what their day we're looking at a day diet what it might look like for that day um i think in terms of a performance element then obviously we can be a lot more specific in what your outcome is so they might have um some people might have two training sessions that day so how is your diet going to differ that day compared to a rest day or one training session um, and we can be a, a more specific in terms of that outcome goal of if we're looking at a whole season long plan then where is your goal is it three months away six months away and we can tailor nutrition a little bit in more detail to that um, but I think as a whole that overall picture that Ben described as what are you doing today how active actually are you um, is like the key points really. Okay, cool. And then 
so again, I'm going to go back to, to Ben on this, and then I've, I've got a little uh, input as well. What, what kind of tools do you reckon people can, can use to actually try and see if they can calculate or, you know, how, how do they know kind of what their output is, if that sounds correct? But yeah. I believe like the, the NHS and a lot of different websites will throw out, you know, figures on calories and, and macros and proteins and all kinds of things. Uh, but how would you, what, what tools do you think people can use to actually tailor it towards what they actually need to do? Oh, yeah, it's part of the problem, isn't it? There's so much conflicting information on the internet saying this and that, so many clickbait articles and stuff, you know, that, that take people down such rabbit holes and not really knowing what they need to consume and how much they need to expend, et cetera. Um, for me personally, I'd use something like my fitness pal, like calorie calculators. So the, the general basic formula of the Harris Benedict, um, yep. you know, kind of working out how much activity you use per day. Um, so you need to work out your, your weight. Um, match your height, things like that. Get a base, um, basic metabolic rate figure, and then times yep. that by. You're probably going to go into this a little bit later on, but times that um, by a certain figure, depending on how much you feel, act, how active you are, um, and then obviously and you go forward from there. That's what I would use personally. Um, the one thing is with my fitness pal, although it's a very widely used app, um, it can actually give you too much of a lower figure, because um, what the my fitness pal app does is that it matches up with your um health tracking and it says oh you've burned 350 calories today you can now eat that back but actually what you should do with the harris benedict calculator is that again it's that overall picture is that it all comes into one you eat up to that rather than eating up to a low figure and then adding up 300 calories on top of that so that's what i would use my fitness pal yeah that, i mean and that's that's uh, particularly that's that's right if, if, I'm, if i'm honest um for, for those that, that, that don't know what uh, ben was talking about there with the harris benedict <laughs> <laughs> so harris benedict uh was what well, it was two there was harris and there was mr benedict uh, and they put together the harris benedict principle which was just an equation that could work out what your basal metodic rate was so your pmr you hear, hear that quite a lot um, and then on top of that they worked out uh, what you would then need to eat uh to, to either gain weight or lose weight and um, so your, what your BMR is, and what a lot of people kind of uh, get wrong, your basal metabolic rate is the amount of calories your body would burn if you were to just be in a comatized state laying down. Okay, So that's just your base human function. That's how much uh, your, your body burns just to, just to move around. Uh, and then you add on top of that things like exercise and, and like uh, just, just your day-to-day -day walking around stuff, you burn a certain amount more. Okay, so a lot, a lot of apps, what they do is they use that equation um, when they tell you how many calories you should shouldn't eat. The, the, the biggest problem I find with all these um, calculators as such is it is actually very, very hard to work out how many calories you actually burn doing a sport because there's so many different variables in there. And at that times, I feel like we, we put a bit too much on how many calories you're burning. Um, and in fact, sometimes I think it, it, it shouldn't matter. You know. What you get out of a workout shouldn't be defined by just I burnt 200 calories today. There, there's so much more that, that needs to be looked at. Um, yeah, I think that's it. kind of the issue like modern day, isn't it? Everything's so specified and, and to ensure that everything has to be to a certain degree, to a certain mark, etc. And actually, like I say, we go back to our previous point of it has to include that overall picture of what are you doing it for, um, you know, things like that, really. So I think, yeah, people just need to take a step back and, and get a better, a bigger perspective of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and and then Cole, I think we may have uh, touched on it before, but do, do you use any any sort of calculators or anything like that when you're with your athletes or is it just a, a general oversight that you look at them? Oversight? Yeah, it can, it can vary sometimes with um, the athlete we're working with. Um, some athletes can be, they kind of want to know that information as specific as possible and they kind of, even to some, 
some degree calorie count too far um where others we look at it more from um more kind of general guidelines of like well how well are you recovering so if you do a workout and the next day you recover okay and you don't have too many doms then we kind of know that that especially the sort of post-workout fuel that you've got in is suitable enough for the level you're doing if there's performance if you're still um, performance is improving then again that kind of that there's no way to some extent that you're going to be reducing calories or restricting calories you're most probably going to be getting enough in um, so we can look at it as basic as that or we can like the um, apps that you guys have mentioned some of our athletes use um, and they seem to work really well to be honest um, but we'll more look at that day of what your meals look like in the day of are they quite balanced throughout so are you getting say three to six meals a day depending on what your goals are um, and are they balanced rather than say top loading at one end compared mm-hmm. to evening um, so as long as they're kind of balanced out and you're recovering well and improving then that's where we'll kind of look at your that calorie intake kind of to some extent has to be okay and has to be working there's obviously other variables then if injuries start coming in or females with menstrual cycles then that's where we might need to look at it and actually have maybe a few days of working mm. out how many calories they're taking through an app and then go into more detail from there yeah and i think, I think that's a very good point that you you just brought up there when it, in terms to um kind of the effects uh, of you know how how you're recovering how you feel on a day-to-day basis they're quite key indicators whether that you need to change the, your nutrition plan or you may need to add to it um because like like you said if if you're you're say you're eating 3,000 calories a day but your the bulk end of that is like in the mornings or in the evenings but you're taking long to recover then you kind of need to look at where you're placing your meals throughout the day and, and again it's one of those things where we get so stuck up on calories when in actual fact that could be a class of maybe you're not going to get enough carbs in after your um after your training session so you, your glycogen stores are not replacing so that's why the next day you're you're feeling sluggish or maybe there's not enough protein there's, there's many different uh, kind of factors to look at um rather than just calories um, but yeah um sorry ben, I, you, I thought you were gonna pipe in there oh well, i was, I was gonna, only gonna ask um kyle you know with especially for you guys where for your student athletes do you find that you have quite a big challenge in terms of finding time to to log on those foods log on those calories and weigh out their foods if they need to is that something you've had to adapt to or something that they've had to adapt to your students? Yeah, definitely. I think depending on, obviously, we're a very, you know, high achieving academic university. So some people have very busy days. So that's where we almost stay away from that kind of calorie counting aspect way of it. Unless if it's a, uh, a weight restricted sport or we feel that they to the other end of they actually need to take on more calories, then we might look at that sort of thing. Um, but like from my experience, I've never had to really overeat in a performance aspect. Obviously, if you're from your end, if your um, goal was to lose weight, then that's something that you might need to look at in a lot more detail. But from a, uh, an athlete point of view, I've only ever seen people under fuel rather than over fuel, um, because if all that over fueling will end up doing is actually helping your performance. And if you're trying to build muscle, you'll build more muscle quicker if you're overeating to some extent, as long as it's the right foods. Of course. Um, so, yeah, we it's a good question. And I think some people, we've mentioned it before, I think can get too pedantic and too worried about, oh, I only ate 487 calories and 220 came from fat kind of thing and start to worry too much about that. Mm. 
I, I think, yeah, again, I'm mean, repeating it, but yeah, the, the, the whole calorie thing, I think we need to really move away from. I mean, I, it's, it's a good, I'll be honest, it's a very good indicator if you are trying to say lose weight or gain weight. Um, it is quite effective, to be fair. Um, but when you're talking from like a performance level, that's when looking more at like your macro balances are, are a, lot, a lot more beneficial for you. Um, so yeah, talking about macro macro balances, uh, what what what's your your guys' main um, like thoughts on that? Do you have like a an average percentage breakdown that you use, or is it per sport, or is it per lifestyle? Um, what do you guys kind of think about the you know the general macros, or, or do we do we do we think too much about it? Do we have you know the percentages are all wrong? What, what are your guys' actual thoughts? I think that I think there's um I think you can go based on amounts per gram per kilo that kind of thing um you know you know kind of the science goes from in terms of say talk about protein as we probably would consider one of the most important one of the more important ones in terms of recovery building muscle things like that um you know you can go from anywhere from a range of science says you know, about 1.6 grams per kilo to about 2.2 grams per kilo about, about building muscle from that way and obviously 2.2 and possibly above will be optimal then, then again at the same time depending on who you are what you're going for is optimal really really important so could you know me, for example, who's weighing in at the moment post-COVID, 95 kilos or such. Me, ha- me having 2.2 kilos is over 200 grams of protein within a day. Now, you boys probably know within yourselves the training over the years of trying to consume over 200 grams of protein is is pretty difficult, and you're going to spend a lot of your time eating a lot of food. So actually, then yeah. you know you've got to kind of consider that, and are those recommendations realistic enough? And luckily, with that um, that gauge from 1.6 to 2.2, you can probably I could actually probably tailor that back to 1.6 to mm. 1.8 and eat a more realistic amount of food so that's kind of the approach i would feel you would need to take with certain yeah. recommendations and it's kind of repeating that message again not getting being so bogged down in yeah specifics because again like i mean we've we've all been in the industry for a long time and and you know over the years the 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 protein argument is the one i find most amazing because it's changed so many times uh i i remember reading studies where you had to have 200 grams of protein a day like you said um in order to put on mass and you know like then there was the whole you can your body can only digest 30 grams per like i think per four hour window yeah, and so anabolic and, window and things like that yeah yeah i think i think the problem is it, it comes from you know there, there's quite a few studies and there's quite a few disingenuous studies should we say i, I, I think maxi muscle are part of quite a few of them um <laughs> which that lead people down the uh it down the road of buying supplements or 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 trying to take other things to try and reach these really unrealistic um, macro break uh, macro percentages. Um, well, that's easy for me to say there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think sometimes we we overthink about it, and sometimes I think we put uh, too much in. I, yeah. I mean, Carl, what, what would you say on that? So you, you're training kind of elite athletes. What what do what what are their thoughts? Do you get you know the guys over, over worried about how much protein they're taking or worried about how many carbs they're getting i mean what's your overall thought i completely agree with what you guys were just saying as well in terms of that you know the kind of the ranges that we have so say on protein the 1.6 to 2.2 i think uh, as an individual everyone's so completely different that you can quite easily get the same results say with you two if you went on to the same training program of one of you having 1.6 and one having 2.2 and have the exact same results come out at the end so i think it's it's good for everyone to kind of individualize it as much as possible and not be concerned with what other people are doing um we kind of look at it more through meals throughout the day of making sure that there's in a perfect world which 
it's never the case. Nothing's ever going to be perfect, but trying to get protein um, in with every meal, um, especially kind of that pre and post workout time. Um, there's, you know, research that um, literally coming out like this year and things where they've looked at ingesting obviously carbohydrate and protein together has a much more beneficial impact um, from glycogen resynthesis to um, protein synthesis working together. So I think that's quite an important thing of we see a lot of the the point you made mentioned Gary about protein supplements for afterwards that people of all walks of life will take a protein shake straight after training where it's been clearly shown that if you take carbohydrate and protein or even if it's just real food and meal combining both of them together is way more beneficial for you than just consuming protein mm-hmm. um, so yeah we'll kind of balance it out through the day there of if someone you know we we want sort of every three hours we want some sufficient food going in we'll look at well, what's in there and if there's carbohydrate protein and the appropriate fats uh when we want them in then again i don't think you can go too far wrong um there are obviously protein and where protein comes from opens up a whole new question which uh, you know that that's another you know 15 hour uh, <laughs> podcast that we might need to do um but i do think that it's yeah it's all it can be individualized and everyone is so different that you do need to look at yourself and what works for you and what doesn't work for you um but yeah i think balancing it out throughout the day is more where we'll come from from that yep. like a constant sort of whether it's 20 or 30 grams but a constant every three to four hours that source is coming in rather than um specifically say weighing a piece of chicken and how much are we getting out of that yeah cool okay so i think we're We'll leave it here. So we we'll just have a, a quick recap before we uh, move on um, for our news story of the day. Um, so I think I think what we can all take from the point of this uh, is, you know, you really need to look at kind of what the goal is um, when before you put your nutritious plan together. So whether it's sport performance, what are you doing day to day? Using tools like BMR calculators uh, are quite good. This does a, a basic overview rather than something that you need to stick to um you know religiously um also then look at kind of what you're what what you're doing and what you eat afterwards so if you are doing sports you know like, like carl mentioned your your nice balance of proteins and carbs if you're if you're not doing any sport or you're not training then maybe adapt that change to, to something else um yeah and then that, that that's it really guys um so we'll, we'll leave that one there we're in future episodes we'll get a little bit more in depth into this but for now, we just wanted to do kind of a basic overview. Um, okay, so we'll move on to our news story. Okay, guys, so our news story of the day, uh, Subway bread is not bread, Irish court rules. So there was a court case in uh, Ireland, actually, um, all to do with the amount of sugar that is put into Subway's bread. And the Subway... I've always maintained that they're kind of like out of the fast food chains. They're the, the healthy option and the healthy one. Um, but in further investigation, they did find that the amount of sugar in their bread doesn't actually make it a bread. It makes it a cake. So you're actually having a cake sandwich. Um, ben, I'll go over to you first. What, what are your thoughts on this? Is, uh, is that Does that take you by shock? I mean, it, it doesn't shock me how, how much sugar is in the bread and, you know, the, the negative sides of the nutritional aspects of their food. Um, I mean, it's it's mad it's, it's coming to a court case about it. That's it was quite surprised when I actually heard about it. But I mean, it's it's great that you know that there are that these companies are being taken to 
to literally to court to you know to actually be challenged on what they're putting into their foods what they're giving to the local population the public you know we are i know we're actually in a real pandemic with the the covid at the moment but in terms of the obesity epidemic that's been going on for years and it's down to to places and companies and fast food restaurants like this you know which are just absolutely hammering their foods with all kinds of stuff so yeah so it's interesting and and, and carl what, what are your what are your thoughts <laughs> yeah completely to agree. a cake sandwich Oh, absolutely. Um, no, and I didn't actually know this was a thing until you told me the other day, Gary. Um, but like I say, Ben said, it's not surprising. Um, but that's where I think it's good that it is coming out into the like the public um, sort of or knowledge for the public. Because too many people still, like you say, think Subway's healthy, so then they'll go there when actually it's in different ways, but the same as McDonald's and all of them kind of change as well. So when you are looking at your diet and what you are eating, then this is where it becomes of not eating out of these places sometimes can be much more beneficial um so it's an interesting one yeah actually funny enough is because um when i was a personal trainer i used to read people used to give me food diaries and then they bless them they they they, they, they would send me stuff and i would it, they would generally feel that they were eating the right kind of things but unfortunately we're not getting the the goals that they, they planned and it, it's just kind of a little bit of education and if i'm honest the, the food companies do bend the rules quite a bit like the, the misadvertising they put out there um particularly the, i don't know if you guys remember the subway man you, do you guys am i i'm a bit old but um <laughs> the subway's initial um marketing plan was they had a man who was obese at the time and he ate nothing but um subway sandwiches and he managed to lose uh, this is america so he, he lost about seven or eight stone um and their whole market employee was yep guys this this guy's at one sandwich a day it's our sandwiches are that that healthy that this man has managed to lose uh, six stone and uh, those are people jumping on that thinking oh this is brilliant it's great i'm gonna live off subway when actual when you look at it he's probably just put himself on such a calorie deficit so long he i would, I would really like to do some studies on him to see like how his body is performing yeah because I mean, again like we said uh, in the last top in the last bit you know people focus on uh, calories too much sometimes you know like i'd love to see what his muscle density is like what his bones are like what you know what his body's doing inside from just eating a sandwich a day for five years um <laughs> so yeah so that, that's just a crazy thing i think the one thing this story just does show us though is that the importance of having a look at um the back of packaging, packaging see what, what is in the food that we eat um we know like food companies do play around a bit, uh, a little bit too much. Then cool. also, I guess what I guess there's one thing. Sorry, I'll add one more point on it. I guess the only thing that concerns me with this kind of new story coming out is that it kind of furthers the demonization of sugar. Again, I don't, as you've probably both seen, the trends in the fitness industry now is, has come into this like you know, sugar is terrible and awful. It's kind of what's brought brought up the whole keto diet fad. You know, that's kind of what's brought it on, and I think it also then demonizes the fact for someone having a subway you know if we always talk about in terms of nutrition building we want that 80 percent to 20 percent balance and 80 percent good whole healthy foods that 20 percent you know not so good not so optimal foods for you um you know and you shouldn't necessarily demonize a person for having that on the odd occasion or once a week as a treat or whatever you know and i I think that's what kind of these kind of news stories are at risk of is of encouraging that so i think that's the only kind of risk trying to be you know um trying to look at it both sides you know yeah, no, I think that's a, a great point to make on it. It's the same with, you know, if people look at like alcohol and things like that as well. Like 
every now and again won't make a difference to your overall outcomes of what you're trying to achieve. Um, so everything in that kind of moderation stuff, like you were mentioning, I think is a, a good point for people to understand. Yeah, of course. And I think that goes back to, again, just having that, that structure of nutrition plan that you do allow yourself in that in that bubble to have, you know, not, I hate the term cheat, cheat, uh, cheat me. Yeah, yeah. I really hate the term. But like, if you want to indulge, then you should 100 percent because, you know, you're yeah. you should can't be so strict all the time. You need to have fun. You need to live. You know, if you do want to have beer or 10 on a Friday night, as long as that's not every night, then uh, of course you should be, you know, that, that should be in that plan as well. Yeah. Cool. 100%. All right, guys. Uh, so thanks for your time. I, I think we're, we're call this one uh, to stop just now. Um, so we will be back uh, next time. Um, and I've forgotten a complete... <laughs> so are, are we doing, um, are we doing the, the myth of the week still? What was the myth of the week? It was it was cardio v weights, wasn't it? Cardio. Yeah, you're right. Actually, should we quickly do that? Because then we've yeah. got five minutes. That's quite a big topic, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but you can you can be quite it's, quick on that. Loads of people I, used to say this. Yeah. Actually, doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I do like a quick fire one, then if I just go, like, guys, the myth of the week is that you should uh, do cardio before weights. Always do your cardio before weights, and then. I fire that over to you, Carl, first, and I throw it over to you, Ben. The yeah, only thing right. I'm going to say on it, where I agree on it, is if you do a, for an athlete that does like a big weight session, then they shouldn't potentially like go out for like a 10K run straight after that kind of thing. That's the only thing I'm going to mention that uh, where it does yeah. matter potentially. Yeah. And then you know what you're saying, Ben, yeah? Yeah, I'm just going to go talk, talk about, again, the perspective of what you're actually trying to achieve. So if you are someone who likes to go running, you do your, you're going to do your running first and cool. if you someone likes to lift weights you can do your lift weight first and then i'm going to touch briefly on the point about um obviously we've been ingrained with this you know perception you know from pe school days about having to get up really fast quick running um heart rate up etc etc when actually you know if you're looking at doing weights like squats and stuff you can actually looking at mobilizing um doing mobility work things like that yeah. doing like 30 seconds of squats and lunges etc is going to get your heart up just as much but be so much more yeah. valuable to doing your weights Cool. Yeah, and then I'll just throw something at the end. I'll just talk about me, and I'll just say like I used to structure my weight days and my cardio yeah. days. Cool. All right, guys. So three, two, one. Okay, guys. So now what we're gonna do? We're gonna look at our fitness myth of the week. Uh, so, then a little jingle. <laughs> and so, so our myth is like, it's a classic one. This one. It's one of my favourite ones. Uh, so. Our myth is you should always do your cardio workout before you do your weighted session. So when people structure their, their workouts, generally people will do some cardio first and then they go straight to the weights. What are thoughts, guys? Uh, uh, sorry, Kyle, over to you. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a weird one, isn't it? In terms of it's always been known that way for years and years. But again, how much relevance it actually has or where it even started from is an interesting one. Um, I think from from overall, I know Ben's going to touch on this more, overall, potentially you've got to look at, you know, what you're actually trying to achieve to, does it make a difference? From, a, I think, an athlete uh, or especially in the elite end, the way sometimes we'll look at it is um, 
what we might be doing in the gym. So if we're doing a really quite big heavyweight session, especially if it's more of a power athlete and uh, lifting quite heavy weights and pushing their body for an intense workout, then it's most probably not the best that they go straight out the door to do their cardio afterwards. So that's when we might suggest that cardio before is the better way around. Um, but we have a lot of athletes that will lift in the morning and then do their cardio in the evening and things like that, uh, where it doesn't make too much of a difference, to be honest. Cool. And, and then Ben? Uh, yeah, like Carl touched on, that, I think it is, it just totally depends on what you're actually looking for. You know, someone like myself who lifts weights the majority of the time, yes, I do also play rugby, but I'll, I'll separate that off. You know, if I go into a gym and I need to want to do weights, yeah, fine, I could jump on a treadmill, get my heart rate up, get a bit sweaty and then jump into the squat rack. But what's going to be so much more valuable for my squats and lifting is actually if I take you know, five minutes out, take a little corner into the corner of the gym, do 30 seconds of squats, 30 seconds of lunges and various mobilisation exercises to actually get my body prepared for the actual work I'm about to do. Um, I think where it's come from is, as we know, in school days and you know, lessons in PE is, you know, running around the hall, running around the circuit, whatever get your heart rate up, jogging on the spot, et cetera. And it's just come from that culture of doing that, I think, um, rather than actually being beneficial for people to actually just do cardio weights beforehand. You know, and like runners, if you like into your running, want to increase your time, then do your running and then do your weights. It's what's more important to you. Um, I looked at a meta-analysis on this and it basically just said exactly that. Those who did aerobic work before their weights, they had more aerobic improvements and those who did their resistance work before their cardio, they had more weights and more um, hypertrophy and resistant improvement so it's kind of what's more important to you really yeah again i, I think both both are excellent points and you, you've just mirrored my thoughts on it i mean when i when i used to uh when i used to compete I, I mainly had different sessions different days on different sessions so i never really used to do like my cardio work like my pad work with my strength conditioning i used to do um and i think even from i think ben will agree even on like as our role here in the sports center if I had to teach like a, an insanity or a hit class and if I tried to then go downstairs and do some Olympic lifting or something, a more technical lift downstairs, it's just not going to happen. Like my, my, my nervous system's too fatigued. My muscles aren't firing correctly. And it is, to be fair, and I'm more at risk of injuring myself with something going wrong. Um, so, yeah, that's really good point, lads. I think we should, that's what we should stick on that. So, you know, structuring your workouts throughout the week, so maybe doing it different days um, and not trying to cram too much in uh, is probably what we're going to take from that. Okay, all right, guys. So we'll we'll leave that that one uh, here for now. Um, thank you for all for joining us. Um, let us know if you have any suggestions or if you any topics that you'd like us to go over. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, I believe, uh, with another topic, um, and that's more to do with structuring training. So how you would put together training plans for the different goals that you have. Okay, guys, that's all from us at Move. I will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheers. Guys. Cheers.